Hello, everybody. I am back. Just keep talking. Came back, made a comeback. Everything in 2020 had a little shutdown and so did we. Sorry about that. I really did want to get in here and keep on talking and support you through the chaos that has been 2020. But I had to take a minute. Well, first off, everything shut down. Then it was kind of like, okay, everything can go back to normal. And then it was, I was homeschool mom. And then we, I was going to get back in here. And then they decided that they were going to throw the races on and we were going to go do one last ride in a big hurry. So we did that. We came back and it was kind of like summertime and just kind of decompressing from everything that's been happening. It's kind of been a big year so far, even though everything seemingly got cancelled, there's been a lot to digest. And so for me, I'm kind of like, well, I don't want to record and get on here and just babble on with emotional carry-on, right? Who needs it? I also made a point to myself that I wasn't going to get in here when I was PMS and just like carry on because then the next week you're like, oh, well, that was bit over the top but anyways here we go um so I decided to get back in here finally it was a rainy Friday and we didn't have anything going on Chad's painting helmets outside with the kids and I was like you know what I'm just gonna get in there and record I've got nothing planned which is pretty typical of me when I come in here to podcast it's not like I write a list of questions to myself I kind of just flow with it so most of you who have already heard previous um, podcasts you already know my style I just jump around everywhere tell a bunch of stories and whatever comes to me at the time and I guess the reason for the big break was that nothing there was too many things going on that I didn't really have time to go back in and look at things and normally for me now I sound like a crazy person but normally for me like stories just start coming to my head and I'll be driving around or I'll wake up early in the morning and I'll be like oh yeah that's a cool story oh that's a cool story and it kind of again you know I intended to write a book because but I have no patience to sit and actually accomplish anything so I figured I could just talk it out and share my stories as they come. They don't have to be in chronological order, even though that would be beautiful, but I'm just going to get them out when I can. So I decided to come in here today and just get it out and get a podcast out there, connect again with everybody. I know you've missed the sound of my voice. I really do want to sing for you right now, but I'm just going to hold up because I don't want to ruin my vocals for the rest of this podcast. So... Thank you for everybody who has already listened. Thank you for welcoming me into your home and into your ear pods or into your car on your road trips and stuff like that. Like it seriously means the world to me. And I love communication so much. And um, if you're one of those people that like message me on direct message or through Instagram, like I really like to get back to people and I can't always because obviously life is happening and moving, but it really means a lot that you take the time to, you know, message, reach out, share stories with me. And I want to acknowledge that I heard it. And I just think that the cycle of communication in general is just such an important thing. And especially right now. So thank you. Thank you, everyone. Okay. So when 2020 just in general okay so I got my boobs taken out and I feel really great about it so happy so that decision to get them out and then now I'm healing it's like 
so many good things happening from just that one decision, which I didn't realize because I was kind of like, oh, do I really want to get him out? And I was scared of what it looked like on the other side. And then now, seven and a half months later, I'm I'm doing jujitsu and I love it. And I know for a fact that I never would have been able to start jujitsu. I mean, I could have started, but at the level that I'm like rolling and wrestling and doing, I, I never would have been able to because literally the pressure on my chest alone, like, you know, if, if somebody had a laid on my chest to, to do a move or something, I would have been just like, no, I can't, you know, cause it was so tight, so sore, painful. So it's just propelled so many good things. So it's kind of like that door closing, one door opening thing, and it's actually real and I'm experiencing it. So it's like, what? so I'm really pumped about it. And I, it's weird because I actually love it. Like I really love it and I want to work hard at it. And that's been a thing for me. I haven't really been involved in a sport since I left Australia. Like when I grew up, I was like in all kinds of sports and I was like, mom, why didn't you put me in, you know, dance or something when I was little so that I could have been this phenom of, you know, whatever sport I had chosen. And mom's like, Ellie, you never wanted to do that. And I was like, oh, okay. You know, because Chad started riding when he was three and started racing when he was four and you know like he's just lived it and breathed it and excelled at it since he was a little kid and that's been his path and he's always been very vocal about wanting our kids to find something that they love and want to pour their heart into it and work hard at it and you know be really good at it and I'm like well shit I'm 38 and I'm still like trying to figure out what I'm going to be when I grow up like so I understand when people don't have that burning desire for one thing because you haven't found the thing, right? And he, on the other hand, doesn't understand life without it because he had it so early, like he found it. Like the only thing I've ever committed to for a long period of time in my life is Chad. And then now our our kids. I'm like, so... It, it wasn't a reality that that I could understand because I hadn't found that thing yet. Again, I'm not saying jujitsu is going to be, you know, who knows where it goes, but I kind of really want to train hard and do a competition. And the fact that I'm actually saying that out loud speaks volumes because normally I would just do something, you know, hide it under the rug and, you know, pretend it didn't matter that much. But I really like him into it. So I'm willing to work for it. And that excites me. You know, here I am at 38 and you think you're over the hill and you're just in that, um, you know, I'm in the mom phase and, you know, you're past, uh, you know, a certain point of, you know, starting some brand new wild adventure, you know, for yourself, especially such a physical one. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to do it. And it kind of like has now led me on to all these other things that I'm starting to do. Again, my friend called me and she's like, I'm selling Monate. I'm doing this hair thing. Do you want to join with me? And I'd given her this amazing pump up speech, like you should go for it. You should do it. It was an amazing, amazing speech, by the way. And so she did. She, she went for it. And I'm like, what's the worst thing that can happen? You hate it? And then you do something else. Like, who cares? Just go for it. If it's if it's in there and it's bugging you enough to reach out and say, should I do it? Just fucking go for it. Just do it. Try it. Anyways, so then she did. And she loved it. 
And so then she's, she turned that speech around onto me and I was like, well played. And, and I was like, you know what? Fuck, I'll do it. All right. I'm going to sign up. I'm going to go for it with you. And here I am. So it just was as simple as that, where it's like, you know what? Sure. I'll try that. It intimidates the shit out of me. Okay. I can't sell this. I can't do that. I can't. And you know what? I am. I am actually doing these things. So all these thoughts that I had put on myself, like, oh, I don't know how to do that. Oh, I probably can't do jujitsu. I'm too old. I'll just sit here and watch my kids do it. I put all those things away and I was just like, no, I'm, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to start. And it doesn't matter how good I am or how, where my starting point is that I've never done anything like that before. Like I am willing to try. And so by doing all these things and not limiting myself and literally just keep adding stuff to my life. And it seems like, oh my God, this chick's crazy. But honestly, it's so fulfilling to be involved in all these things. It's kind of like, I don't know, think back to a time in your life where you were like just super busy and you just go, go, going with all these different things. And it's like, you, it's it puts you in a happy place. It really does. Because you're doing, you're actively involved with people or doing something for yourself or learning something new and it really, really is motivating to then keep adding things. My daughter just got her, she decided that she was going to stop sucking her fingers. And she got a, you know, like a habit breaker trainer thing for her mouth. You know, it's, it's almost like a little mouth guard and to stop her putting her finger in and whatever else. But that was her decision. And um, I'm really proud of her. And I've waited a long time, you know, I just told her because, I mean, she would literally just cry so hard without her finger. You know what I'm saying? It's like, how can you make your kid take their finger out of their mouth? I mean, it's attached to their body. It's not like you can just remove it and go, okay, well, out of sight, out of mind. I'm like, you know, she was going to do it anyways. And there was no point in arguing about stop sucking your finger, stop sucking your finger, stop sucking your finger. It's like anyone with a habit, they're going to keep doing it. Quit smoking, quit doing this, quit doing that. Stop picking your nose, stop biting your fingernails, stop, you know, it's like when that person decides for them that it is the decision that they want to make, they will do it. You can't sit there and say to somebody, you should go to the gym, you should eat right, you should do this, you should do that. I'm like, nobody wants to be picked at. But when you... Give them the information. Here's your choices. Make them decide. Say, okay, well, here's here's where you want to be, right? She was bothered by the fact that her one tooth was starting to really, you know, like poke towards the front. Like it's starting to look like she has buck teeth, but just with one. And, and it's not that severe. But if she keeps going, it would be. And she noticed it. It bothered her. So she cried. She sat there in front of the dentist and was like, can't we just go to a different dentist? And I'm like literally dying. I was like, look, he's just doing his job. He just wants to help you with your teeth. You have to decide what's right for you and then we'll do it. Anyways, so after crying, after resisting the dentist and wanting to leave and never go back and see him again, she decided that it was the right thing for her and that it 
even though it was hard, it was the place that she wanted to get to, which is having her teeth straight and nice and and not ruining them. So we did it. So it's kind of like the same thing for me. And I said to her, okay, well, I'm going to do something that I don't necessarily want to do, right? I, I don't like to cycle. Um, but I have really bad circulation in my legs and I need to keep them moving. I get super bad veins. I, like my legs are literally my least favorite part of my body. And I need to do something about that. And I need to change the habit of not you know, doing some exercise, um, whether it be walking, cycling, you know, running, whatever. So I said, we've got a Peloton sitting there. I was like, I need to get on it and I need to do it 20 to 30 minutes, at least six times a week. And then, so I told her I would do it and it's going to be hard because that's not my normal habit, right? I don't do it. So I want to make a healthy habit change. So anyways, we're trying to, I guess I got off on a tangent, but the whole point was adding things in, doing more things, all these things that you didn't think that you were capable of doing and then just saying yes to it. And just how, I don't know, recharging and motivating it is to just keep involving yourself with things that help you grow and be better and do all those things. And I'm just trying to be, uh, you know, instead of just sitting here saying it, because I've spent a lot of time saying, yeah, go do this, go do that. Like with Chad, it's like, I've been the biggest influence coach. Don't give up. Keep doing this. Push here, push there, you know, all those things, you know, most of our life. But I've never actually done it to myself. And so now I am making an effort and a change to be able to put myself in that position to say, Ellie, do it. Take that chance. Do this. Find things you like. And honestly, it is really awesome. I'm so, I'm proud of myself, even just doing this podcast, right? You know, it's kind of like put yourself out there, do it. It's really, really fun. And I feel like I want to do more. And then not to mention that I feel like it helps other people, you know, which is a big thing for me. And, and it's really motivating. So anyways, that is that. What else have we been doing lately? The kids started BMX and people were like, how did they start BMX? And during, you know, our lockdown period, we were watching, um, you know, a ton of movies and Chad put Rad, the movie on, and it was one of his favorite movies from when he was a kid. And we watched it and the kids were so pumped. And then all of a sudden it was like, they're old, you know, just not race BMX bikes, but just their normal BMX style bikes that were in the garage. It's like they've made a comeback and all of a sudden we got these, you know, just little plastic jumps from Amazon and we just put them on our driveway and they just started riding around, riding around and into it every day. And obviously we couldn't do anything else. So it was perfect and kept them moving, kept them happy. And then we started to research um, about BMX tracks and, you know, pump tracks around and stuff like that. And then found um, that we had quite a few near us. Um, so once they opened up after the, you know, COVID period, we started getting into it and they're just really loving it. And it's wonderful. The thing I love about it the most as a parent is boys, girls, 
all ages. It all happens the same time, the same place. So, you know, parents with your kids going to all different sports, like it's literally you just want to cut yourself in four pieces and, you know, well, I only need to cut it in three unless Chad's doing something else. But you know, you're trying to go every different place. And this, it's like literally all at the same place. They can all practice on the same night. They can all race on the same night. And they're all having these little wins and things together. It's really, really nice. So it's a great little atmosphere. The racing side, it's, you know, it's fast. Um, it's it's really fun. Uh, they love getting little trophies at the end of the night and, you know, getting those awards. We put some shelves up in their room so they could start collecting their trophies. And again, they're in their novice groups per age. And but yeah, it's wonderful. It's wonderful to see them, you know, doing their thing. And again, back to Chad with his, I want him to pick something and be right into it. So Tate and Kaya both were in soccer, you know, uh, last season and obviously it got cut short I asked if they wanted to go back to soccer and Kaya's like no I'm already good at soccer I'm going to try something else and I was like hey fair enough I mean how do you argue with that so she decided she was picking BMX and so did Tate so they didn't want to go back to soccer they were really into it and it's like if they had wanted to do both that's fine whatever but anyways it's it was cool that they're um they're all involved and they're all equally passionate about it at this point. So as a parent with young, you know, people, I'm just loving that they're all involved and getting their exercise, they're happy and they're learning a ton. So there's my BMX promotion. What else? Okay. So I feel like there's so many topics to talk about. Salt Lake City for one. So we went out there and did Chad's kind of like retirement tour. And I was fine for the first like five races. And then the last two was kind of like, well, the second to last one, I was like, oh, the last one. Oh, my gosh. So he gets on the thing. Okay, let's just go back to the fact that it's so weird, like without the fans there. It is literally the weirdest thing. It is so quiet. Like I can literally hear the guys talking amongst themselves. It was just the wildest thing. And I'm not going to go, oh, that's the new normal because it's not. Fans need to be in the stands. That's what makes it. It's so much more exciting. We miss the fans. There's literally no comparison. But they're sitting down you know, they're getting on the start line and I'm in the stands and, you know, the only saving grace to having that big shield mask on was that no one could see me literally crying behind it. Literally, I was bawling like a baby. And then there's no music all day and no whatever. But then just for like, you know, 20 seconds while the start line's on, they put on the music and then they put on, of course, Chad's opening ceremonies song that he's had for like, 10 plus years. So it's like every time I hear it, I think of Supercross and you get the, you know, goosebumps and the whole bit. And I was like, oh, and then they put this song on and this is his last start. And oh, it was a mess. It was a freaking mess. So anyways, then after it was all done and he ended up, he finished 10th, which was a great finish. Again, I, I'm going to not lie to you. I can't lie. It's against everything in my body to lie. So I'm going to be honest. I was, I really, 
was proud of his 10th position. But at the same time, it's like, I know at a certain point you go, okay, you know, you just two seconds off the pace and it's like the difference between first and 10th, 20th, right? It's two seconds a lap. It's nothing, but it's everything. And it's crazy to think that they're going that fast. Okay, so here's Chad on his retirement thing. And it's like, you're only, you know, say two seconds off the top guy, you know, the the top guys that are throwing down everything for it. But it makes the biggest freaking difference. And it's crazy. It's just the slightest bit more commitment and willingness to go above and beyond where that safety zone is. And I mean, it it, again, it's two seconds left. There's nothing, but it's everything in racing. So, yes, I would have loved for him to be able to just go out down and throw down because I'm so freaking competitive and all those things. But at the same time, on the slipperiest of conditions, which is, you know, I mean, he kind of that's not his favorite place to, you know, to be. He just you know, no one to hold him, no one to fold him kind of thing. So he got the 10th place, which was great. And so at the end, you know, he stopped up on the thing. So here's me. I'm like looking for a way. They're like, come down. And so I just jumped the fence down into the stadium and then run up there. And, you know, it was such a nice moment. I'm so thankful that Mike Emery and a couple other photographers photographers really captured those moments because they're some of my most favorite pictures ever. And it was really cool that Gallagher gave him the checkered flag, especially considering Gallagher gave him a black flag too. I was like, maybe an ass for it just for shits and giggles. But we got the checkered flag and it was, it was so nice. And anyways, yeah, it was funny because after, you know, that was all said and done and they did their podium, Chad did an interview and then we were going to ride back and Chad's like, I said, well, I'm going to get on the back. <laughs> I'm not walking all the way back. He says, oh, you're not allowed to ride on the back. I'm like, okay, here's the only guy in Supercross to get a black flag. And he's worried about the mask police telling his wife that she can't be on the back of his bike. And I'm like, oh my gosh. He, I don't know how he got dubbed kind of with this bad boy thing because he is such a good boy. I was like, piss off, Chad. I'm getting on the back. I'm not walking back. And I don't care what they're going to say to me. I'm like, I sleep in the same bed as you. I'm like, if they're worried about a COVID situation, I'm like, I do not care. And so I just jumped on the back and we rode out and it was like such a nice moment. But anyways, yeah, how funny. Just he's actually a really good boy. So I don't know. I don't know where it all went wrong. I think because he's just, when it comes to racing and stuff like that, he's always been the guy to fight for what's right. You know, like everywhere else he'll just do as he's told and, you know, like for the most part. But when it comes to racing, like he he will literally fight tooth and nail for what is right when it comes to things like that. And anyways, yeah, it is kind of funny. Everyone can't believe actually how shy he is and how quiet. And I'm like, I know, isn't it weird? You know, especially because of how talkative I am. So anyways, opposites do in fact attract. So what else am I going to talk about? Okay. As far as the one last ride thing though, even our kids are like, dad, are you really going to quit? 
are you really retiring? We don't want you to retire. We want you to ride bikes forever. And I'm like, that's pretty cute coming from kids because, you know, at a certain point, Tate was a little bit bitter that he wasn't further along in his BMX career because everybody everybody went to dad's races and not to his. But then he got over it pretty quick because he realized that, um, you know, he, he was fine starting where he's starting and he's doing all right. But the reality setting in as far as Chad not going back racing, I don't know that it's actually set in really because, you know, we've, he's not raced uh, summers and nationals for quite a while. So it wasn't necessarily a weird, weird thing for us to be off at that time. It's going to be, you know, uh, November, December when he starts acting weird and then we'll be like, oh... What's going on here? But I think with everything, the way the world is right now and the uncertainties and stuff, I, you know, who knows what's going to happen anyways. So with that said, we still hope that they uh, get back to racing and that we can still show up and say hi and, you know, be part of something. Because, I mean, you can't have it be... 20 plus years of your life and then all of a sudden cold turkey and don't go again I don't understand that I'm too heavily involved and now I feel like the racing grandma where I'm like oh, just you know you just want to help people out anyways I'm into my armor fire at the moment so if I don't talk stop talking for like four hours and this turns into like a marathon podcast you know why it's the armor fire it's got me but I do love it I love it and it's not even that people always ask me and I I don't even have coffee anymore well we have coffee in our house but it's decaf which is basically sex with your clothes on you know pointless but it's still like you know people are still doing it so we just have it. I don't know. We just like to sit down on an evening and just go, oh, have a cup of coffee, but not stay up at night because, you know, we need sleep. Whereas my armor, I like to have it in the morning with my protein powder and then go to, well, now I'm going to be cycling. <laughs> but, you know, before jujitsu or something like that, I don't know. It just gives me a good pep up, but not like a, you know what I mean? You're not like hit wide open and then you're just on the rev limiter you're just like I don't know it's just nice a nice uh what do you call it a nice like yes let's get into this day maybe that's just me but that's how I feel anyway even before the armor fire and I wake up pretty loud and Chad's still quiet okay so I decided to be a homeschool mum And there were a lot of factors involved in me saying that. But so we're doing private homeschool and which means it's not through your actual school. We decided back in June, actually, while we were in Salt Lake City and everything was a little bit like, don't know what you're doing. But I was like, I'm not paying for private school. And then for them to say, oh, yeah, you're going to be doing your homeschool, whatever. We'll just send it all home because it was literally a shit show when it came to three kids and all these Zoom calls and all these things. And I was like, I just want to be on my own program. And I think that's something about Chad and I. We've always just been like, yeah, no, I don't want to do it, you know, like everybody else. I just want to do what's right for me and uh, when it's right for us. So we did a private homeschool situation, which means you're sourcing it from a private place, not through a school. And then that way we can work with our kids, um, 
how we want, when we want and what works for us. Because again, I'm, you know, one person, three different grades, three different um, curriculums and stuff like that. And just keeping up with all the Zoom calls and all the things, it was pretty chaotic. So I decided to step back from that. Um, The private school that they were in, they ended up, they are going back to school, but I didn't want my kids to be surrounded by people telling them their opinions at this point in the game with what's going on in the world. And I know that's kind of a taboo thing. Everyone has their opinions and some people are more forceful as far as, you know, their opinions of it. And I just didn't want my kids to be in a situation where they're outnumbered on opinion, basically. Um, Simple as that. Like, you know, I wanted them to not be in masks. I didn't want them separated from their friends and not able to share supplies. And, you know, my little one going to kindergarten, I personally just wanted him to have a normal, happy experience. And for my three, they all play together all the time. Anyways, we don't really do play dates. I don't hang out with people. So the whole isolation thing wasn't a big deal for us because we just do our own program all the time. That's kind of Chad and I a long time ago just became those people, you know, where we're just like, you know what, let's just do what's right for us. I don't need to hang out with a million people. That's not to say that I don't have a lot of amazing friends. I have a ton. We have a ton. I just don't need to be in their back pocket or have them in mine. Like they know I'm good. I know they're good. We keep connected. Um, And the fact that, you know, just even being in moto in general, like it's really hard to maintain being a a good friend per se with people who don't understand your lifestyle. So you're literally go, go, going. And for us, I mean, we lived for it, lived for it. So it was like, it didn't matter what was happening or what social events were happening or whatever else. Like we just knew we weren't going, we're racing. Like, sorry, yeah, oh, you've got a wedding, bad luck. And that's how brutal it really came to be because it was like, okay, yeah, if we could make it, we obviously went. But it wasn't, you know, the priority. Again, just our willingness to do whatever it took, you know, that separates you from people because people don't really understand that mentality. So we just kind of, you know, If people don't get it, they don't get it, you know, like, so I think we started to find friends who just lived that way themselves and understood that, you know, we're still wonderful friends. You pick up right where you left off. I have family and friends in Australia that I may not talk to for six months, but then when we do, we pick up right where we left off. And for me, that's how it should be. Easy breezy. I'm a mom. I have three kids. I give them my time. And if I don't have extra time to want to, you know, go to things and do stuff or hang out and go to dinners, like Chad and I don't even go to dinners, really. I'm like, I know people make a point of date night, but I'm just kind of like, I don't know. We just hang out all the time. We just go with our kids. We're just all in whatever. And, you know, depending on what you do, that's your deal. I don't know. But we never, I don't know. I also don't have a big thing with going out to eat. Like, I feel like eating is just like an essential thing, not really like, oh, yeah, let's go out to dinner. I just can't wait to try this place and whatever else. Like, I mean, I'm happy with like 
piece of toast for dinner and just call it a day because I've got other things to do. That's where I'm at. Chad loves to eat. He loves food and he loves cooking. So I'm like, go ahead, cook. I will take that vegan lasagna. Thank you very much. But you know, I cook and I can cook. It's just not my favorite thing. I'd rather do something else. So if Chad was like, hey, let's go on date night and whatever else, I'm like, oh, so that means I'm probably going to have to get dressed up, put a face of makeup on, get all jazzed up, go out, eat, come home. Then I'm going to be, I like to be in my pajamas early. So then I'm like, oh, no, let's just stay in. I'll just cook something. And that's kind of where it goes. I'm like, oh, plus we don't have a babysitter. And I don't know. I just, I created really cool kids and I like to hang out with them. And there's certain times where I'm just like, okay, get out of my face. But for the most part, they're actually pretty cool kids. And I feel like I spend a lot of time parenting them so that they are cool humans, not just loose cannons running around my house. I guess it's like having trained dogs versus untrained dogs, where it's like if you've got a lunatic dog running around your house, you're pretty off it. So that's kind of my mentality towards it all, um, give or take. So... Date nights never become a thing. We used to just eat out all the time anyways when we were traveling and stuff. So then we just decided we liked eating at home. We became, I can't even talk. We became vegan in December and we decided, you know, like that that's what we wanted to try. I've been a vegetarian most of my life. And we tried keto for a while, which is complete opposite of vegan. And I was just like, it worked for a little bit. And then I just, I don't know, I just felt really bogged down. It wasn't for me. So when people ask me about diets, I'm like, you got to do your homework and you've just got to try it and then do what feels right for you because I'm not big in telling people what the best diet is. I, I believe in you've got to find what's right for you. So that's what we have been doing and I really like it. So that's what we're doing. And it's hard to kind of go out and eat at a lot of places, you know, in certain places that have a lot of vegan options. So we end up, we just cook ourselves and we like it. And then I still get to achieve being in my pajamas early and, you know, comfy. So I don't know. I'm kind of low maintenance when it comes to that. What else? What else? I don't know what else to tell you about. I feel like there's too many things. Okay. So going back to school. Okay. So yeah, who knows with this school thing, we just decided, like I said, that we wanted to do our own thing. We'll see where that takes us. It could end up being just this year. And then hopefully, you know, things go to a great place. I don't want to say a new normal because that's a carry on and I do not like the term. So once the world figures itself out and all this rubbish, then then we'll see, you know, what works for our family and our kids. But I am excited to have the freedom to be like, okay, well, we're going to go here. We're going to do this. You know, with child retiring, it's like we can technically, well, now we can't because you're not really (laughs) traveling is like a thing of the past. But, you know, when things open back up and stuff, it allows us to be able to 
you know, go places or go back to Australia or, you know, whatever during opposite times. So depending on what Chad decides he's going to do next, we also had the freedom to be able to move with that with the kids in homeschool. So there was a lot of factors really. And yeah, that leads us down to what does happen next. Um, And for right now, we start homeschool next week. I'm doing jujitsu. I'm selling Monate hair stuff, which I'm loving. Come join me, whoever's at home. I really... I really do or did join because I was like, you know what? There was a point in our lives where I wished I could have contributed more, especially, okay, this gets into a story, but I've been in that situation where you're the stay-at-home mom and you know you're doing the right thing for your family, but at the same time, you know, and, and again, now people are having troubles with you know, your husband's work or the finances coming in or stuff like that. And you wish you were able to help from home, you know, make an impact on the, you know, on the family income. And people probably don't look at us like, oh yeah, sure. You need to, you know, contribute and you need to do this and you need to do that. Because if you really, I mean, back before social media was really pumping and sharing was a big thing, you know, we had a ton of troubles as far as financial ones. And basically knowing how that feels, I wanted to get into this because I've seen my friend succeed. And now she is the one who makes the most money in her house. You know, her husband rides and has raced, you know, as a privateer forever. And it's like, now she's the one building their new house from selling shampoo. Like it's crazy. I mean, she's worked her ass off and deserves everything, but at the same time, nobody realizes that these girls selling shampoo make more money than my husband racing a motorcycle. Like that's nuts, nuts. Um, but that is real facts. And when we were in, Okay, so back in, I'm going to get the year wrong, but I believe it was 2012. um, And Chad had to go in. He got hurt. So we had our own team, uh, 22 Motorsports, and we were in San Diego, and he clipped the back of Kenny's wheel and in the whoops, Kenny almost like hit a neutral or something. And so his bike kind of stopped. And I mean, they were going fast and then just that little hiccup well Chad hit the back of him and crashed in the whoops and did his uh shoulder was it no that was 2012 hang on god he's outside and I just really want to ask him all these details I'll get it right but it was shoulder it can't have been because I was pregnant with Kaya and he had his knee. No, his knee was when Kaya. Okay, so, all right, you guys, I don't know when it was. It must have been the year after. We had JG on the team, so it must have been 14. So maybe it was Pace there too. Goodness me. Okay, it all blows into one. And when you're a mom and you've got all these kids and whatever else. Anyways, I don't remember the crash, whatever. It was a shoulder. But I don't remember the year. Anyways. We had a race team, we had bills, we had a full deal going. And unfortunately, 
every time you get hurt, every sponsor wants to cut your money in half. And it's like, you still have bills to pay. You still have to show up. Your, your people are relying on you. Right. And at that point, like all Chad's personal endorsements and everything, like it went towards Tutu Motorsports. Right. And so he got hurt. And I just remember being in California and I had Tate. I was pregnant with Kaya and they're like, no, this must have been his knee. I was pregnant with Kaya. <laughs> Guys, this is really bothering me that I don't know which one it is. Anyways, hang on. This is my phone a friend moment. Oh, hello. Okay, so I'm telling this story, but I can't remember the date. And it's really bothering me because I don't know who I was pregnant with. And I don't know whatever. But anyways, when you, when, remember when you were in San Diego, was it San Diego and Kenny hit, you hit into the back of Kenny yeah, and then 14. that was 14. Yeah. So I was pregnant with Pace. Correct. Okay. So it was 2014 that yeah. that race happened where you clipped Kenny at the back and then you hit your shoulder, right? Yeah. Okay. What one was it that you were in the hospital in, um, Temecula? And remember, everyone was like, you were going in to have surgery and everyone was like, you got to shut Tutu down. You're going to go bankrupt. Da, 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 da. Was that that one? Yeah. So I, yeah, no, I came and uh, I went up north to Santa Barbara. Get that I uh, spent the week. Hang working. on. So I got you out of hospital. Yeah. You got me out of hospital. Which is um, the start of another podcast in itself. Yeah, it and it's still to this day it's the only injury that I am mad that I did what I did. Mm. Um any other injury I'm you know, feel like I did the right thing, but this one there was something telling me that yeah, don't don't try. It's not worth it and you're you're hurt. Like there's more than what the doctor's seeing. Um Oh yeah, because they didn't see the coracoid at first. No, they did. Um, but it wasn't a, what do they call it? Like a weight bearing, like, and that didn't, you know, it didn't move. It didn't break more. Um, it was my shoulder that dislocated. Yeah. Um, I rode first practice in Dallas. You guys all came to Dallas. Um, well, you guys, pace was in your belly, but, uh, right. Yeah. So then anyway, I went that, uh, did that, did first practice. It felt just wrong. Uh, sat out second one and then rode the last one um, to try to get a feel for, you know, the night show or whatever. Um, and then, yeah, dislocated in that second one, uh, just not even doing anything crazy, just riding the track. And uh, we were lucky. We had Ben Spees uh, who organized getting MRIs right then and there. Um, so I went and did that real quick, um, found out, you know, a lot more information, a lot more kind of detail. Then we all flew back to California. Uh, and I think I got surgery maybe Tuesday or something like that. Monday, Tuesday. Okay. So the point of the thing was I was telling this story about, um, you know, the fact that your agent at the time and whatever just was like, you got to shut Tutu down. You're going to go bankrupt, you know, yada, yada, yada. Cause I was basically explaining, like, I wished back then, like I was always thinking, what can I do to help, 
you know, I was a stay at home mom essentially. And obviously I did everything to help you be on the track, but I wasn't able to bring in anything from the side. And, you know, we were getting all these things. We went through a really hard financial time and it was stressful because I always felt like I'm not bringing anything to the table. And I feel like a lot of women are stay at home moms at the moment who feel that way. And it was kind of one thing that I was, I've, I've seen firsthand with the money thing where it was like women were actually retiring their husbands and going, you know, okay, we are actually bringing in money for our husbands and they don't have to go and throw themselves on the line at work doing these things. And so the reason, my reason for joining was really just to say, okay, moto women in general, I feel like it's such a typical thing, you know, like your husband goes to racing and, or your kids or whatever, you put everything on the line for it. And it's like, you're the product, you're the the product you're selling. And as soon as that's broken, everybody bails out and you're just put in such a financial stressful situation. And so I wanted to be able to say to like women in racing to be able to go, Hey, why don't you start this and at least start bringing something in and, you know, be able to contribute to your family and feel like you're helping and you're helping yourself, you're growing and, um, you know, feeling like you're contributing is a big thing, especially when you, you know that, and again, it could be the wife and the family and the husband stays at home. I'm not stereotyping here, but I'm just saying that feeling of being able to contribute to your family's livelihood is a big deal. And I, stressed about it for a long time. I mean, we ended up, we had to, we, at the end of Tutu, it was seriously one of the hardest things to say, okay, we have to stop. And I mean, we literally shut the team down and it was amazing. But when, as soon as Chad got hurt, everyone cuts your budget. And it's like, we're not the type of people to sit out. Like we don't sit out. We don't go, oh, let's just take the time to recover. And, you know, we'll try again when we're feeling healthy and fit. It's like, no, you go race, you show up, you know, you do what you need to do. And, you know, obviously when you have surgery, there's a certain period of time that you just cannot. And there's not one time that we haven't at least tried like to give it everything. And yet sponsors would literally cut your budget in half and all of a sudden all these bills that you have. And so we had an apartment in Australia and we sold it and it paid for tutu. We had a ton of, you know, like we had quite a bit of money saved up and it went to tutu and we were all in, um, but when Chad got hurt and repetitively injured a couple of years in a row, um, that really hurt us. And it's the gamble you take with any business you're in. Um, but it's very hard when the product that you're selling is your husband and you're racing a motorcycle because it's dangerous. It's There's factors of being able to push, um, you know, to a certain limit and and the willingness to go there in order to get the result, right? Um, and so that was a super hard time. And we ended up, 
you know, for a lot of years, probably more years than we wanted to, was we kept our house in Florida. And I mean, it was a huge house and we had a property going and properties cost a ton of money, you know, paying for tracks. I mean, no one would realize that those lumps of dirt are 20 grand a a rebuild or, you know, like, I mean, the money poured into Moto and Moto families, you're listening, you're like, yeah. If you don't have an income that's covering those things, everything just starts to get eaten away, eaten away, eaten away. And that's basically how it was. And so we had to shut down 2-2. And um, we paid everybody out and we, um, all our team people, and we had to close it down. And I mean, it was a devastating time, but it literally put us in a situation where we were no longer in a position to just retire and be good. Um, you know, so again, the gamble you take in business, anyone in business knows what that's like, but again, it's the hardest thing. And as a wife, you know, at the time I wished I was able to contribute more in a financial standpoint. Again, it was one of the reasons that I joined Monate, and I don't want this to sound like an infomercial at all. I just want to tell you where I'm coming from, is that I wanted to be able to say, okay, here, moms, wives, dads, whoever wants to be involved, here's something you can do from your phone, and you can start selling a product that you don't have to pay for, that is not on your child's, husband's, whatever, back as far as whether you're succeeding or earning or anything like that. The products are already done. It's uh, $199 to join. If you sell, you sell. If you don't, you don't. You've just got a pack of products that you can use and, and say whatever. But it's the option that you can have this side hustle and still be the person that you're being. And I wanted to open that up and make you know, the women in our sport, you know, knowledgeable to the fact that they can actually make something really big for themselves on the side while still being there for their kid, their husband, whoever that is, and have that supplemental income where it's like, it doesn't matter if, you know, things happen that the sponsor pulls out or the, you know, something happens, you know, I mean, even a broken wrist. It's like it puts you out and it really does cause a lot of emotional upset for the family that's involved. And so if you were able to have something on the side that it's like, you're okay, no matter what. Um, I think that that is what appealed to me, being able to help women in that situation because I know how it feels. And again, people don't probably look at us like, oh my gosh, like you even have a clue. But it's like, I grew up in a real household. Chad grew up in a real household. Like they didn't have money. I didn't have money, you know. He lived in a trailer and had to pee outside because they didn't even have a toilet at the first, you know, home that they had. His parents give him everything to be able to have what he has today. So it's like, we're not silver spoon children that just got everything. We earned it. We worked for it. We were willing to sacrifice everything to have it. Um, but we also midway through there, you know, we about lost everything again. And a lot of people ask us, why did we move from Florida to um, North Carolina? And 
we had no job. We had no income coming in. It was kind of like, what the f- are we going to do? And Chad still wanted to race. And he had a couple of sponsors just, you know, as far as um, outside sponsors, but he didn't have a bike. He didn't have a team. And we literally busted our asses riding for free for the last however many years since Tutu pretty much uh, at least since 2016 2017 so yeah 2017 so when he came to 18 it's like he ended up doing the husky thing he was broken he showed up you know but it was like okay it's a way to make the ends meet we'll get there you know to the next phase um when the jgr thing came on it was like there was you know it wasn't a money deal it was the fact that they had a bike and they were able to cover his uh travel costs to go to the races so we said you know what chad was actually in um italy at the time when i mean it was december or at least late november no it was december and you know, Suzuki had a spot to fill. They said, okay, you know, let's do it. And Chad was like, okay, uh, you know, Ellie, what do I do? And I was like, well, how about, do you want to race? And he's like, well, I want to race. And I was like, all right, we do it. And so I literally made the decision while he was in Italy, because, you know, when you're in a foreign country, especially like that, where it's like, you know, the time zones are weird. He was racing um, the rally car thing I can't think of the name Monza is it yeah anyways he was racing over there and so like busy the whole day because you know it's race mode and and I said okay we're doing it we're moving to North Carolina like let's move you know right before Christmas and so I mean we literally had the Christmas tree up we were all set in Florida ready for Santa the whole bit and so within a couple of days, I had movers at our house. I was deciding what came and what stayed. We had them just pack up what we needed and put it in a U-Haul. And Dan Truman and us, we drove this stuff up to North Carolina and I found a rental place at last minute. We moved into this tiny little rental and we went from a you know, a house that's like 12,000 square feet on three acres and a lake and the whole fancy bit to this tiny little house, you know, with no yard and tiny little driveway and like little garage, the whole thing. And we had the bare essentials of things that we needed. We got up there By the time we got here, all the Christmas trees were sold out. So we went to Lowe's and just picked out this, the saddest little Christmas tree you've ever seen (laughs) because it was the only one there. But we just didn't care. We were in this adventure and we're just like, you know what? We're making changes because we'd sat at home for two years in Florida in this beautiful big house, sweating on the fact that our mortgage payment was more than we could afford because... At the time we took it on, we were earning great money. Then when your livelihood changes and everything changes, it's like we literally couldn't afford to go to the races with Chad because it was like, well, do we do that or do we do this? You know, it was one of those things. I mean, um, 
again, my kids were in private school and then I pulled them out and I put them in a local charter school because we just couldn't afford the tuition anymore. I mean, it was literally one thing or the other. So it's like, even though everybody thinks, oh yeah, this, this, and this, it's like, no, we, we, it, we've had everything go on and experienced all these kinds of things and the highs and lows and the financial struggles and all those kinds of things. So I'm well aware of it. I grew up in a real household. I grew up in a place where it was like, no, we're poor. Uh, We can't have all those things. You know, I'm one of four kids and two hardworking parents. And, you know, we, I grew up in, in a real life home, a real family, a real situation of what working class people experience. So it's like, I'm not separated from that. I still understand that. And I guess for me, my decision to say, Rado, let's just move and sell everything is that I would rather live in a shoebox with Chad and be happy than have all this stuff that we can't afford and just crap that's just material objects that don't bring you joy. They might look cool and it might be like, oh, wow, they're so cool. They've got all this stuff. But it's like the stress involved in keeping up with that. I was like, no, let's just, you know, and we lost a ton of money by selling that house because we built too big in our little neighborhood and our little town at Dade City. But it was a risk we were willing to take in order to make the changes that we need to. So zero regrets. Pace, are, you know, he's like, Mom, I really wish we lived in a mansion. And I'm like, I know, babe. <laughs> I said, but here's what you do. You work really hard and then you can have all the things that you want to have. And sometimes they miss our Florida house because, you know, they did. They had a ton of space. Our house was big. It was whatever. But I mean, it's, it's literally neither here nor there. It doesn't change, you know, who they are, who we are. We ended up, we found this lovely little house that we're in now. And it is, it's half the size of our old house. And again, first world problems, who cares? But I just, I want to put the whole story out there so you can understand, you know, you can understand where we came from or things that have happened. It might give you a better insight into our decision making over the past, you know, five, six years. So once we got rid of that house, it was kind of time to just start fresh and, you know, not be just underneath a ton of debt that we'd incurred, obviously, from the race team, from building that huge house, you know, the change in life as far as Chad couldn't get a ride to save his life, all those kinds of things. So we moved to North Carolina to kind of hit the reset button. And we are almost sold on the property in Florida. Um, So hopefully by December, that should be all said and done. And then I feel like we get to hit the real reset button where we're not living in a space of ginormous debt. We are happy where we're living and we get to dream again and go, okay, what do we want to do now? What are we going to do with ourselves as opposed to being on the back foot where you're just like, okay, I'm in this situation how do I get out? You know, it was just like, just make a big fucking change. Just move literally interstate within 10 days of making that decision. We were out of Florida and already, you know, in North Carolina setting up whatever. It's literally that easy. You just say, I'm doing it and you just do it and you go and you figure out what comes next, next, not try to plan it all out. Like fly by the seat of your pants. And trust me, that's hard because I am a planner and I like to write everything down and know what I'm doing. But at the same time, I don't like to 
drag along past things. So that house was such a burden to us because it just was literally sucking the life out of us. And I'm like, okay, so we've got this big, beautiful house and lake views and we could sit here and we could enjoy it, but it literally is sucking the life out of us. Let's just let it go. And we may lose on it, but we get the opportunity to start again. And so that's kind of the mentality there. And, you know, he raced on JGR and it was all good. And and then, I mean, he would have raced for them again, except they uh, they weren't sure what they were going to do. And we had to f- figure that out. So and then that was not really them. That's just the politics of racing and how it all works, where it's like, you know, everybody's at the you know, their their hands are tied behind their back by the person that's above them, literally racing in general. It's, I wish I could go in there and just take over and be like, Rado, let's clean this up. Because honestly, there is a better way to run it. All the teams so that we've got successful teams, we've got happy riders, we've got a positive championship and growth. Okay, but... I'm not going to get started on that today. The growth is in the changes. The growth is in the ability to have things that you didn't think that you could have. So again, you know, a supplemental income, uh, especially now, you know, everybody's hit with those feelings. And again, it's awful. Like to sit there, your husband's in a hospital. I have two little kids. I'm pregnant. So emotional as heck. And then all of a sudden, I'm being told that we're going to go bankrupt. I'm like, okay, so I'm sleeping in a hotel. I am alone with two small children in a hospital, pregnant, husband I have to look after, and now you're telling me I'm going bankrupt. So cool. Thanks. I mean, it was literally a fucking mess. And there is no worse feeling and you literally feel you're on the worst roller coaster ever where you're just like life swelling everywhere and we're just like, okay, no, we're not doing it. And so, I mean, that literally is what happened with Tutu. And unfortunately in racing, um, and I'm pretty confident in saying that Kenny is the only person in this sport that I know of that has had a contract that actually paid him while he was hurt and recovering, which is a beautiful thing, by the way, because he was able to recover and take his time and not worried that he had to sell or lose his house and, you know, whatever else he was going through at the time, right? Again, it's like anyone else with their, you know, recovery from work and things like that. If you get something happen and you can't work and then the snowball effect of that happening, it's like... How much worse is it for your recovery to be stressed on that many different things at once? It, it's actually just a horrible place to be. Horrible. But yeah, uh, so, I mean, well done, you know, for Kenny, but I swear there's no one else in the sport. So for us, we showed up to everything. And I mean, even before it was an issue of, you know, when we probably would have had the luxury to sit out. Chad has just never had that mentality, you know, like to sit out and go, oh yeah, you better just wait to heal up. Like as soon as he was even just remotely able, he was back on the bike. And that's just kind of how we, we did things right or wrong, everybody each to their own. But it's like, that's how we grew up where it's like, you get back up. And the beautiful translation of living that lifestyle 
maybe it wasn't the best business decisions. We don't care because the mentality behind that is literally you fall down, you get back up like right away and you get back into it as soon as you can. Doesn't matter. And that has translated, which, you know, like it's never been like we ingrained it into our kids or something. They just know that that's how it is. And so the other night at BMX, uh, Pace was racing. Uh, he was doing a heat. It goes like there's a heat race and the top two make it through and then another heat race and then they have the main. And even in the little kids classes, like they seriously still drop kids out of the thing like you won't make the main. I'm like, OK, they're five and six year old, but it's brutal, which is great. They learn from an early age to deal with, you know, winning, losing, making it or not and all those kinds of things. So I think it's a you know, a good thing. But at the same time, they really want to make that main event. And so the first heat race, uh, Pace uh, got hit by another kid. Um, Their handlebars come together and he smacked down pretty hard and he smacked his head. And it's the first time in, in a competitive scenario where I've seen my kids, you know, hit. And I kind of was like, shit. And I went to run you know, to get to him. I'm like, that's my baby on the floor. And I'm not really one of those moms. Like my kids fall. I wait for him to get back up. Like I'm pretty cool when it comes to major situations like that. But I mean, he smacked hard and I was like, oh. And so anyways, I didn't even get two steps and the kid was back up and bless his heart. Oh my gosh. It was the proudest mom moment. He it was still on the first straightaway and he rode all the way to the finish line and finished his race and he come back and, you know, tears in his eyes, but he finished it. So I was like, oh my gosh, that I was just so proud of him for doing that. Then um, I took his helmet off and he was telling me that he had a headache. So of course I'm like, okay, well, you've probably got a mild concussion. Great. Okay. And I said to him, Hey, buddy, you know, you can just sit out tonight and we'll race again. Like the races are every week. It's not a big deal. Just chill out and we'll rest up and we'll go. And he was so mad at me. He's like, I'm not giving up. He's like, you want me to quit, don't you? And he gets all serious, which is so funny for Pace because he's like the little comedian. You want me to quit, don't you? I'm like, no, I, I, don't, I don't want you to quit. No, that's not what I'm saying. I was just worried about your head. And if you feel like it's got a headache, then you probably should rest it up. Well, I'm not going to quit, he says. And he grabs his helmet, he puts it on, and he goes up to the start line to get ready for his next heat race. And he come through and he won that. And then he finished second in the main. And I was like, oh, and he just, he was so proud of himself. You could just see it, you know, that you know, anytime you triumph over something, you know, whatever, it was just really cool to see. Then in Tate's race, him and his little buddy, um, were racing pretty hard and they came together. Um, again, just their, uh, their handlebars hit together and they both went down. Well, I was videoing and then all of a sudden, you know, like your kid crashes, the video goes down. And before I could even realize what was going on he was back up and he was racing again and then I put the video back on you know because Chab wasn't there too so I wanted to be able to show him what was going on and 
he paddled at home and it ended up he finished second, passed a kid. And he was, again, he was so proud of himself, you know, like he's just like, mom, I crashed, but I just, I just knew I had to just get back up. You know, it was like his instincts kicked in and that's what they were. And it's an amazing thing to see because you can't teach that, you know, some I'm just really pumped that their natural instinct is to get up and just keep going. And it's just, you know, maybe whatever Chad's legacy is that he leaves behind, um, you know, however anyone wants to remember him in racing. But I always just feel like his willingness to never give up regardless. And I'm talking whether he's come out of hospital and just shown up and I mean literally he's in tears or but still willing to go out there and throw his body on the line for it you know like again just that race in Seattle where his bike broke and he was trying to push it up the hill just things like that where it's just like always show up never give up attitude and I just regardless of whatever happens from here on out the fact that our kids adopt that attitude is just the proudest moment for me so I love seeing that with them and just encouraging it again there's been things that I have I mean Chad broke his uh ankle uh the Red Bull straight rhythm you know we're in the hospital and they're like yeah you know it's broken and whatever else and so the doctor leaves the room and I'm like so are we racing and Chad's looking at me like I've got 10 eyes and I'm like well I'm just you know, I'm just trying to gear up. Which way are we going? You know, like, because again, stuff happens and you just literally fix it, damage control, and you get back out there. That's just our mentality. And so it doesn't matter what hits us in life. We're going to literally put duct tape on it and then keep on rolling. And so it doesn't matter whether it's financial downfall, relationship downfall, physical downfall, We literally have been through it all and I am so proud to see where we are now. And again, money does not define that. People around his fame, his uh, accolades don't define that. Who we are ourselves and our little family and the way that we do things, that's who we are. It's not a material thing. It's not a financial thing. It's not, you know, being, you know, Chad Reed or whatever else. It's literally who are we when we're at home that makes me the most proud and to see our children, you know, feeding off that. And hopefully somewhere in there you've got some kind of takeaway of, you know, I don't know, start to put our picture together of things that you see, but the behind the scenes of it all, you know, and hopefully doing more podcasts, I keep just filling in the blanks for you of like what, we're really about and you know what might have went on or just the thought process between behind decisions that we've made but you know the last few years as far as racing and riding and stuff like that for a guy like him to show up and you know to ride for free and then to look at people with their you know big contracts and their uh, factory um, you know setups and to still think that there's room for complaining you know it's 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 kind of funny to watch and one day you know again it's it's always a full circle moment because you you learn those lessons pretty hard but to realize and remember how lucky you are to have you know a factory team and a factory setup like what Chad wouldn't give to have 
that support and be able to finish his, you know, his career. But it just, it never panned out. It wasn't meant to be. I mean, you know, he even tried to, you know, pay to have, you know, factory bikes and things like that. And uh, no one wanted to do it. And it's interesting to see where teams will spend their money, you know, and who they'll invest in. And I'm trying not to you know, say the wrong thing. But at the same time, it is really interesting to watch what's currently happening and, you know, who who and where race teams are actually spending their money. And again, that's not to say that Chad deserved it more than them, but I'm just saying, you know, like in the moment uh, to be able to have raced 10 years you know, without, well, he went back to Yamaha for a couple of years, but, um, so eight out of 10 years as a privateer and doing his own thing and stuff, you know, I'm, I'm really proud of that. Uh, it's not easy by any means. And anyone who's really done a privateer setup where it's like, you know, you're, I mean, seriously, this last year, you know, Ben was like pretty much the only mechanic for a lot of it. And he is a champ and just shows up and gets his stuff done and handles it. And and it's just it's so nice that we were able, you know, on the flip side to have our own team and our own, you know, way to go out of it where you've got a really cool bunch of people that just want to be there, want to help out not afraid of hard work, Dan, Ben, uh, Justin, myself and Chad, you know, just our little crew, uh, getting the job done there in Salt Lake. It was, it was still pretty nice. So, you know, obviously there's pros and cons to everything, but it does make it a heck of a lot easier when you get to show up and your bike's there ready. And anyways, to all the young guys who have that right now, just enjoy that opportunity while you have it. Even though, like I said, I really wish that I could take over a team and look after the riders. And I, I actually do think I could do a better job. So I'm going to say that out loud. You know, that's me being honest. And I probably would say that to anyone out there. But there's a couple of teams that are doing a really good job. But, you know, there's a couple that definitely need work. So who knows what the future brings? I don't know what Chad's thinking. He hasn't really told me what he's up to, but there's things in the works. And, you know, we'll. I'll just keep talking and eventually I'll let you know because once I know, you'll know. It's kind of how it works here. Anyways, I think I've really talked for a long time. So I am going to sign off here and I hope there's a takeaway from today. Thank you for listening and I will be back soon. Thanks for listening to Just Keep Talking. Bye.